with this abundance of new technologies that are coming into the market, we're seeing the role that standards needs to play, not, not only um, in keeping up with rapid change, but also the you know, new and novel ways that standards can be used to support the testing of, of technologies. Increasing use of simulation in the transport sector, uh, simulation and modelling, and that, that's a, an interesting future area for standardisation. Bringing you the stories behind the standards. This is the BSI Education Podcast with Matthew Childs, Alan Sellers and Cindy Parakil. Today's episode is on standards and transport. Hello, my name is Matthew Childs and I'm with Cindy Parakil. Hi, Matthew. Coming up in today's episode, we take you on a journey around the relationship between standards and transport with our guest Nick Fleming, Head of Sector for Transport and Mobility for BSI. The voice you heard there at the top of the episode. We talked to Nick about a wide range of issues, starting with the long-standing relationship between standards and all parts of the transport sector, the current changes taking place in transport, such as automation, connectivity, electrification and smart mobility, and how standards are being used to address them. And Nick also told us about where future standards in transport and mobility might be needed. We also have our regular Stands Desk of News feature. And if you're a young engineer, then listen out for information about how you can apply to take part in the IEC Young Professionals Programme. But before we start our episode engine proper, a quick reminder that for more information on BSI education, go to bsigroup.com forward slash education. This link and others on the themes raised in this episode can be found in the episode notes. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and share us on social media using the hashtag BSIEdPod. And if you have any comments or questions about this episode or previous episodes or even ideas for future episodes, then do please get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. We really welcome your feedback. So in this episode, we are looking at the relationship between standards and transport. Now, Cindy, because of COVID-19, most of us have not done that much travelling in the past year. And our whole concept of getting around and why we need to get around has been turned upside down, with many of us, myself included, hardly moving outside a five-mile radius of our own front doors. (laughs) Yep, that's right. I mean, COVID has had an enormous impact on transport in the last 12 months. But the general trend is that we are all still doing more of it. The latest UK Department for Transport figures show that 873 billion passenger kilometres were travelled in Britain in 2019. Overall, that's an 11% increase on 2009. Another interesting stat is that in 2019, people made an average of 953 trips. That is a lot of trips, given that we have 365 days a year. That's that's a lot of trips per person. (laughs) And some of the reasons for these trips are really fascinating too. The report found that 68% of people in Britain in 2019 travelled to work by car, although there was a huge variation across the country. Only 27% in London, for example, compared with 80% in Wales. But also interestingly, 9% of us walked to work. Oh, that's me. (laughs) You lucky person. (laughs) Of course, there are environmental issues too. The report also found that transport remains the largest emitting sector of domestic greenhouse gases. 
Because of COVID, the ways in which we travel and the reasons we travel could change. I mean, I don't think anyone can predict with any certainty where things will go next, especially with flexible working arrangements. But the one mode of transport that has definitely benefited from COVID-19 has been cycling, isn't it? (laughs) This is this is true, Cindy. It wouldn't be a, a BSI education podcast without a little bit of cycling in yep. here. So, yeah, a report from the Bicycle Association, which is the trade association for the UK cycle industry, it found that bike sales have grown by 60% since March 2020. And e-bike sales have more than doubled, with £1 in every five being spent on bicycles during the pandemic being spent on e-bikes, which is an incredible figure. And of course, There's also the apparent controversy with cycling around these issues of low traffic neighbourhood schemes or LTNs, many of which have sprung up in the past year in in urban environments. Now, the aim of these is to promote active travel, including cycling, but also to reduce pollution in residential roads. Now, there's generally really very high levels of support for LTNs, offset by a rather noisy minority, particularly on social media, against (laughs) them. Now, Cindy, there's actually one at the end of my road that's been there for about 40 years. And nobody seems to be jumping up and down asking for it to be removed. Uh, but anyway, we should, uh, we should probably move on. Let's accelerate past that one, Matthew. <laughs> so in this first part of our conversation with Nick Fleming, we take a brief look back at the history of standards and transport. We then move on to discuss some of the big changes underway, automation, connectivity, electrification and smart mobility. But we begin with Nick's personal standards journey. So, yeah, I'd spent a number of years working in um, publishing, technical and business publishing, and doing lots of interesting work with professional bodies, with government, central and local government. And it was there really where I first became familiar with standards and standards first um, came onto my radar. And this was the kind of main major quality and environmental standards that that I first became aware of. Um, that that work in in technical and business publishing led me to to join a technology startup um, in the in the financial sector, and um, so it was it was really interesting to see that company grow you know, very quickly and kind of harness the the, the kind of dot com wave and digital tech wave and um, really kind of you know getting into kind of data and. And, and looking at how their products and services really used use those, um, but during that time, you know, I also um, you know, be- began to um, get a bit closer to some of the standards that BSI was um, publishing, actually, including standards like the business continuity management standards and some of the standards that um, relate to cybersecurity. So, um, yeah, that that experience working for that company kind of also taught me a lot about. Um, regulatory drivers and compliance, um, cybersecurity, as I've mentioned, and, and, and the role that standards play in, in kind of helping businesses to provide confidence to their clients and their customers. Um, from there, um, I joined BSI Standards as part of the manufacturing team. Um, that was quite a change, as you could probably imagine. Um, and I began to f- familiarise myself with... Um, BSI's work in areas like automotive, aerospace, and transport more generally, and um, and you know BSI's committees and and um, expertise in those areas. So I I, I kind of began to see quite quickly how important standards were and could be in those areas, 
um, in helping industry to tackle all sorts of different problems and challenges, to manage risks, um, performance, interoperability, support supply chains, take new technologies to the markets, etc. So Nick, standards, transport and mobility. Can you give us a brief history of the relationship? There's a, there's a long and established relationship between standardization and transport and it stretches back many many years and i think in a previous podcast um you covered off the, the fact that one of the very first standards created was the standard for railway gauges and um, this was really um, a key standard of, of its day in the sense that it helped to reduce um, the number of train track gauges down from something like 70 plus down to five um, the purpose of that really being to obviously um, make it possible for different trams to run on the same track and reduce manufacturing ta- uh, lead times, etc. So, um, you know, th- there's this long, long relationship and um, BSI has been active developing standards for and, and with the automotive and aerospace industries for decades, mm-hmm. very well established um, European and international standards in that space and BSI has many committees there. Um, and standards um, are really important in terms of driving you know, products, product design, um, and, and the design and testing of safety critical systems. An example of how standards are used to um, support vehicle safety, for instance, is, is found in the ISO 26262 standards. And, and there, they're really to provide a common method, method for assessing safety um, measures to avoid kind of failures of hardware and software. So this is something that consumers might not directly see, but they're critical for um, safety features in our vehicles. So something the general public might come into contact with is is um, something like ISOFIX, the children's um, safety seats, for instance. So anyone that has children um, may have come across the ISOFIX um, tethering system, and that 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 is is enshrined in regulation now but the standards underpin that international standards that the UK has has fed into so um, BSI and standards get involved in a number of different um, interesting things related to transport and and automotive another example would be the um, the the VIN numbers so the vehicle identification numbers are are a unique uh, identifier that each vehicle has a numbering system You'll typically find this kind of imprinted on the chassis of a vehicle. Um, an important element of that VIN number is the world manufacturer um, identifier, WMI. So each country has a WMI coordinator who is responsible for issuing this as part of the, the VIN number to manufacturers. And in the UK, that's done by BSI. Um, and we've done that, I think, for, for a couple of um, decades now. So the VIN number is really important you know, for tracing vehicles, the origin of vehicles, doing product recalls. So I think it's fair to say that, you know, much in the same way um, standards are, are fundamental to industries like healthcare, built environment, the same is true, I, I feel, of transport. So standards are really part of the fabric of industries like automotive, aerospace, and um, they operate at each and every level, um, you know, through the life cycle of products, and that includes an individual component level, like literally the nuts and bolts um, that hold the hold the vehicles together. There are standards that focus on the design and testing of systems, 
all the way through to repair and remanufacture. Um, and then there's another kind of dimension to this, which I think makes it even more interesting, which is the standards that relate to the broader transport network um, and how the transport network operates and that they deal with everything from data communications um, to you know uh, network operation. Um, and obviously, as our roads and, and cars are getting um, closer together in terms of the way they um, speak to each other and communicate, then standards is, is starting to move in the same direction. Well, Nick, you've given us a great uh, overview there of the sort of a broad history of the relationship between standards uh, and transport. And I, actually, I, for one, I benefited from the ISO fix, certainly with uh, with young children. In fact, I don't think many people will know that the ISO stands for, you know, it is it is the ISO organisation. That's quite interesting there. People may not have, not have realised that. Um, I'm interested now in to know more about the sort of the big issues for transport and mobility right now. So, pun intended, what's driving change in the sector? Well, you did warn me there would be some puns, so... I was prepared for that. Um, so this is quite a complex question to answer quickly, but but I'm going to give it a go. So I think, you know, we're seeing and we've seen some major trends over the last five to 10 years. And um, these are often called the ACEs trends or the ACEs factors. And that is automation, connectivity, electrification, and then smart or shared um, mobility. So, um you know, and if we look across it, regardless of whether we're talking about automotive, aerospace, um, maritime, rail, all of those trends are present and to, diff- to, to, to differing degrees. But, you know, the, we've seen the rise in automated driving and driverless cars. We've seen increasing levels of connectivity as our vehicles become more connected to each other and the local environment. And that brings with it, you know, opportunities but also threats such as cybersecurity. the electrification piece we've seen um, you know real pushes towards um, decarbonizing transport um, and and making transport cleaner with not just electrification but electric vehicles have been at the heart of that and then um, up until relatively recently with with the impact of covid a real push to um, to get people out of their vehicles and, and using public transport in a more intuitive, smarter way and using smartphones and, and, and digital tools to book and, and plan and make journeys. So I think, you know, they're the big trends. I think what's interesting is what is driving those trends. And I think that's a combination of things, you know, the technologies, of course, the digital technologies, um, national policy and, and, and things like Brexit, of course, regulation and that could be vehicle emissions regulation or safety regulations coming from the UN um, demand I think is interesting if we think about ourselves as consumers um, and customers you know demanding um, you know cleaner vehicles or more flexible travel and uh, and um, that impacts uh, manufacturers and and um, you know the changing business models that come with that and then there's Know, from the market side, uh, as a, if, you, if you're thinking about vehicle manufacturers, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of competition and commercial factors there as well um, in terms of being market leaders and offering a, a, a choice. Um, so what we're focusing on um, at BSI is really 
is supporting industry, um, government, consumers, etc., in 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 the response to the to these drivers and the mega trends that I've talked about. Um, and as I said, let's face it, there, there are some great opportunities from some of these technologies, but there's also um, risks and challenges. So. Um, in addition to that, generally in that broader sense, it's about what are the societal and ec- economic um, needs there and, and how do we ensure that the future of transport is cleaner, more efficient, um, joined up, reliable, and, and what is the role of standards in supporting that? So I think that's where, that's where we are at the moment. Are you a postgraduate studying at a UK university? Do you have a research idea or project that involves standards in some way? Well, if so, BSI Student Research Program can help. The way it works is simple. We gain valuable information about an area of interest to our standards work, while you can benefit from mentorship to support your project and the chance to gain knowledge and exposure that may increase your future employability. To find out more about the program, including case studies of previously supported projects and how to apply, visit bsigroup.com forward slash education. Now you can hear the second part of our conversation with Nick Fleming later. But first, Cindy, shall we have the Standards Desk of News? Yep, let's do it. All aboard for the European Year of Rail. Yes, this is the news that the European Union has designated 2021 as the European Year of Rail to promote the use of trains as a safe and sustainable transport. Officially launched last month, it's seen as a way of debating the challenges facing the creation of a true single European rail transport space without borders. According to the European Standards Organization Sen and Senlec, there are, with a neat coincidence, 1,234 standards associated with railways. Standards go nano. ISO has updated its 13-part series of international standards for nanotechnology, the science of really tiny little things. Used in virtually every industry, nanotechnology enables the manipulation of materials at the level of the individual atom and is responsible for the products being lighter, faster and more efficient. Microchips in computers are one example. Even the better bounce in tennis balls is thanks to nanotechnology. Improving project management. Now, two key ISO project management standards have recently been updated and expanded. ISO 21500 is a foundational standard that provides overarching guidance for the use of the entire ISO 21500 series of standards. And ISO 21502 provides guidance on the various practices needed in each phase of a project's life cycle. And finally, something smells good. These days, many consumer goods seem to promise all kinds of sensory miracles, giving the impression that they taste, feel and smell even better than you could ever imagine. However, the increasing number of such products, with their many innovative claims, raises questions around the scientific basis for such statements. 
A standard for substantiating sensory claims on products has just been published. ISO 2784 will help scientists design tests that provide adequate support for the claims they make about their product's attributes or performance. And that's the Standards Desk of News for this week. As always, you can find links to those news stories in the episode notes. Are you a young engineer who wants to change the world through standards? Well, every year BSI and its partners offer young engineers the chance to take part in the IEC Young Professionals Program, All Expenses Paid. The program brings together the world's upcoming expert engineers, technicians and managers and provides them with opportunities to shape the future of international standardization in the field of electrotechnology. The next IEC Young Professionals Program will take place in October 2021 in Dubai. Find out why you should apply at bsigroup.com forward slash education. Now let's return to our conversation with Nick Fleming. In part one, we talked about the history of standards and transport. We then moved on to discuss the current changes underway, automation, connectivity, electrification and smart mobility and what's driving those changes. In this second part, we discuss the current priorities for standards development for transport and mobility, such as safe innovation, integration of technologies, and decarbonisation. Nick also looks ahead to where future standards for transport and mobility may be needed. So you've laid out the four market um, trends, or the ACE factors, that are driving change in the sector. But what are the current priorities for standards development? Yeah, so in terms of the the, the um, priorities, we're really honing in on a number of areas, but, but I'll, I'll pick out two or three. Um, supporting um, safe innovation, I think, is a key role that standards play and that BSI can play. And so that safety, I'm including security in that as well. If we look at connected and automated vehicles, if we look at drones and um, UA, UAVs, and some of the work that's going on around future flight, um, you know, there's there's lots of challenges there to get that technology into the market safely, and that those t- those challenges range from the safety critical um, the safety critical pieces that I've mentioned already to things like integration and um, and integration with existing technologies and infrastructure and and other traffic. So BSI has been doing some really important work there with government, um, for instance, the Centre for Connected and Autonomous Vehicles we've been working with, um, UKRI supporting the Faraday battery challenge to create some of the capability needed for electric vehicles and to accelerate the deployment of electric vehicles. And so I think that work is really showing us that A, you know, these technologies are there, or at least they're coming through. Um, B, the UK is at the forefront of, of innovation in a lot of those technologies and investing in them and see that you know standards will have a role to play in helping to realise the full benefits of technologies like driverless cars and, and electric vehicles, of which there are many benefits. Um, if, if I flip back quickly just to the work we're doing with the Centre for Connected and Autonomous Vehicles, so that's been a really interesting project. We are working closely with the UK's um automated vehicle ecosystem so this is trialing organizations including you know 
vehicle manufacturers, developers, but also local authorities and the academic community um, to develop good practice to really um, put the UK on the front foot in terms of our safety first approach to trialing and in the future deploying these technologies. Um, and, you know, that's thrown up some really interesting challenges um, about the role that standardisation plays in terms of building safety and trust. Um, and, but I think, you know, the UK is well positioned to be at the forefront of some of those um, uh, debating some of those challenges, given the, the, the successful trials that are already taking place here in the UK and our academic research base and, and the knowledge gains from those. So um, I think it's, uh, you know, that, that's one of, the, one of the big challenges and, and one of our big priorities is that safety first approach to innovation, allowing innovation to happen, but making sure it's done safely. And then there is um, the decarbonisation agenda and net zero. And, um, you know, it's not just, you know, the UK ambition on net zero. It's clearly obviously a global issue and a global goal to reduce carbon emissions. The UK has, you know, a um, very ambitious target to, um, in, in, the, in terms of the ban of the sale of petrol and diesel vehicles by 2030. So, you know, there is this huge drive towards more sustainable, cleaner transport whether it's electric-powered um, or hydrogen-fueled vehicles, um, e-mobility, e-scooters. You know, we're seeing a real drive and, and, and cycling as well. I think there was a report published last week that talked about the fact that a move to cycling um, could, could improve air quality by up to 70%. Um, I, th- I think one of the big challenges with decarbonisation um, is that there, there's no silver bullet and it's not going to happen overnight. Um, it will take a com- combination of complementary technologies, policies, um, you know, improved planning, transport strategies, etc., to, to get us there. But again, I think that points back to a real strength of standards is that we can operate across those different complementary elements, supporting the development of the right technologies, um, promoting the interoperability of the infrastructure and the safety of the infrastructure needed, whether it's charging networks or whatever it might be. Um, and then that broader, you know, um, uh, that broader piece around how the transport system operates um, and, and you know, really delivers uh, efficiency. So standards can reduce the risk of this not happening. And I think that's a key thing and ensure that we kind of deliver the benefits of electric vehicles driverless cars and promote safe innovation. So Nick, you've given us a fantastic uh, overview there of the huge sort of project areas that BSI and the standards community is working on. I just wonder uh, if you were to put your full head, your, your full beam on, on your headlights, you know, looking ahead, uh, where do standards for transport and mobility go next? Yes. Um, so I think this is a key question for BSI and, you know, we're really active working closely with industry, working with government and, and the academic community on what are the roadmaps for um, delivering some of the technologies and, and some of the, um, the, the delivering on some of those targets that I've mentioned and decarbonisation, um, connected and automated mobility being being two of the big ones. So even though some of these targets and, and, and some of these technologies feel like they might be in the distant future. 
I think we need to be working on them now. And a, a key part of standards is going to be what we're working on now uh, and where the benchmark is now it may look quite different in a couple of years' time. So I think, in a way, the look ahead is 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 both the things that we're thinking about 10 years out from now and the things we need to be doing now. Um, so th- this also creates a, a challenge for standardization in itself. How do how does standardization keep up with the the need to iterate and to to, um, to uh, adjust and to be agile? So um, you know, I think for me, this where we go next is is this supporting of decarbonisation? It's the supporting of emerging technologies such as connected and automated vehicles post COVID, um, and and hopefully over the next few months we'll see the the impact of COVID starting to ease. Um, but, you know, thinking back pre-COVID, um, there was a big focus on on getting people out of private cars, getting people out of their vehicles and, in, and onto public transport. And, um, you know, COVID-19 has had a big impact on that. Um, it, there was lots of um, government policy that was really promoting um, how we could improve uh, the use of pa- um, public transport and increase utilization of you know buses trains etc um and, and and there's a lot of logic in there because we know that you know replacing every petrol or diesel car on the road with an electric one is not going to solve huge problems like congestion um so i think you know hopefully though a lot of that good work has been stopped in its tracks a little bit like covid uh, by COVID and 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 understandably so, um, you know, ride sharing and some of the shared mobility initiatives that were being set up have been understandably kind of stood down. But but I think you know over the next six to twelve months, hopefully we'll see these being revisited as part of the look ahead. And that that w- what's going to be driving that is really the role that data and the surrounding digital infrastructure can play in in creating a um uh, you know a, a transport system that that is able to move people um goods and services around more efficiently um is cleaner is reliable um and is inclusive and i think the piece around inclusivity and access to transport is is an interesting topic perhaps one for another time but one one we should explore um I mentioned the challenges that standardization face, and I think this is interesting because, you know, with this abundance of new technologies that are coming into the market, um, I've mentioned automated driving and, and cybersecurity as, as, as two of these big trends. Um, we, we're seeing the role that standards needs to play, not, not only um, in keeping up with rapid change, but also... Um, the you know new and novel ways that standards can be used to support the testing of of technologies, um, increasing use of simulation in the transport sector, uh, simulation and modelling, and that that's a, an interesting future area for standardisation. Well, we seem to have arrived at the end of our standards and transport journey. All change, please. Our thanks to Nick Fleming for sharing his experiences, expertise, and insights. To find out more about standards and transport, check out the links in the episode notes. You have been listening to an episode of the BSI Education Podcast. 
To find out more, visit bsigroup.com forward slash education. You just heard a stripped media production.